Hey, welcome to the Landco podcast. Today we're going to talk about natural versus supplemental feeding, uh, part of the lake management series. Welcome to the Landco podcast, an analytical behind the scenes look into land investing and land ownership, covering marketing conditions, current inventory, and updates on all relevant land ownership issues here in Illinois, mixed in with some timely hunting and fishing reports. Here with Nate Herman. Uh, his fur, full bio was back on the, uh, and what episode was that? I think we're talking defining goals episode, but we've been working with Nate for 10 years now and he's, he's the best of the best. So, um, perfect guy to have on cause he knows all the technical stuff. He knows, uh, you know, real life practice. Um, and I've actually done both of these with him, the natural and the supplemental feeding. So, and they both worked out. They're just, they're different. So I think it's kind of cool to understand the differences. So, uh, Nate, first off, thanks for joining. Well, thanks for having me. Let's yeah. let's talk uh, let's talk food and fish. <laughs> Perfect. Our last episode went a little long. We'll try to keep this one a little shorter. But uh, the last episode that we did was removing fish, and it actually transitioned right into feeding. So worked perfect. But let's uh, let's chat about natural feeding first. So talk a little bit about that. But it happens. There's a few ways you can do that. It happens naturally, first of all. But you can also like. It's not always fully natural, even though they're natural fish, but you can, you can do a little more yourself to like increase that capacity, right? Oh, for sure. Okay. So talk about both, like why it's important and what you can do. Okay. So feeding, you know, a fish in order for a fish to grow, it's got to eat. Okay. And the, the, the fish food or the fish food pyramid. Okay. It, it actually, people think, oh, you know, if I want to have a big fish, I need to feed it, you know, threadfin shad or gizzard shad or five-inch bluegill or, you know, something. But really the the key to growing a big fish is the moment it's born, okay? So when a bass – let's talk about bass. Yeah. When a bass is born, you know, I'm holding up my finger right now like you guys can't see me. But it's, it's, it's a little fry. I mean you can see right through it. So how is a, you know, centimeter or millimeter fish going to eat a gizzard shad or a, you know, bluegill? It's not. So the key to growing a big fish or having food for it starts the moment the fish is born. So you have to have a food chain community or ecosystem, mm-hmm. you know, which starts with, you know, starts with uh, very, very small microscopic organisms. Some, some lakes have a lot of natural food for small fish. Some lakes, and those would be more fertile, um, you know, fertilized naturally or supplementally, but fertilized lakes um, or, you know, fertile farm ponds. They got ag drainage, bringing in fertilizers, gets in the water, grows algae, grows plankton, grows zooplankton, feeds the little fish, feeds the big fish. So we got to understand that. Um, but then some clear water lakes, deep, clear, uh, not much littoral zone, they don't have a lot of food for little fish when they're born. So they don't have a good head start on life. So we, what we want to do is we want to match up when we're talking about supplementally feeding, whether it be natural or fish food, artificial, we want to match up what does that lake need, okay? So um, let's just take a, a clear water strip mine lake. There's a lot of strip mines around here. So those fish don't have what they need. So we need to provide it. And, and, and ways to provide that is actually, um, you know, building a forage pond. Yeah. So you can build a little eighth of an acre, tenth of an acre forage pond, and you can grow a lot of little forage in those ponds, and you can create a you know a valve or a drain, 
pull it out, flush it in. Now we've just altered the natural carrying capacity of the lake. Now we've just introduced uh, new forage to the lake. Yep. So let's chat a, bit, a minute about those forage ponds because I've done them and am like a huge believer. I want to do one out here. We did one at uh, the Otter Creek project on the Canadian Lake, which turned out like incredible. So I'm going to like regurgitate some of the stuff that you've said, and then you can like tell me where I'm wrong because it makes sense to me that like all these little forage fish, they can reproduce, but a lot of times they're getting eaten. So like these forage ponds that you're talking about introducing, there's no, there's no predator fish. Right? And right. That's the goal. In the absence of predators, they breed like rabbits. Yeah. You know, or like even what, more than, or like, breed like mice, you know. Like four or five times a year, something like that? Yeah. Uh, throughout the whole growing season, you know. So from April all the way to October, you're getting babies, babies, having babies, and there, it is compounding interest yeah. on top of each other. And so you, you grow that out, and you can actually flush those sometimes two or three times a year and still... You know, if you don't flush it during the middle of the year, you're wasting biomass. Yeah. Because you've already reached carrying capacity there. So you get rid of half the carrying capacity or even three-fourths of the carrying capacity, grow it all again, flush it into your lake, and provide the exact size forage that you may be lacking naturally. Yep. Okay. Um, so, and we, we've done all that. And it, every time that we've done it, it's been like incredibly successful. So it's just, if you try to do that in an existing lake with predator fish, it's just impossible, right? You can't. It's, it's really hard. That is, so it's really hard to just buy enough forage yeah. to and just keep supplementing stocking. So yeah. that's, you know, to be honest, that's where we would make our most money stocking fish is when somebody wants to stock 100 pounds or 200 pounds of forage minnows. That is a very high profit margin thing for yeah. us. But we do not recommend it. Yeah, because um, they can put that same amount into a forage pond in the year after or if they every year spring, now you're yeah. you're you're producing far more like you put it straight into the lake you may get one spawn out of some of them but those fish largemouth bass and other predator fish are actually very good predators they will out eat their food chain in most scenarios so you put a hundred pounds of shiners or a hundred pounds of fatheads in and basically you're throwing away your money and i've got a i got a little analogy so, and this helps understand what it takes to grow a fish. So it takes 10 pounds of forage, and this is going to lead us into supplemental yeah. feed, it takes 10 pounds of natural forage, whether it be bluegill, shiners, or fatheads, to grow one pound on your fish population. Okay. And, and that's- are talking bass for the most part at this well, point. Well, that's actually most, it's is most it fish, fish, but okay. yeah, it's usually related to bass. Okay. So- a bass, and that's if it's feet converting at the highest conversion ratio possible. So that's if the bass is laying in its recliner chair and, you know, its servants are basically taking those minnows and feed them grapes, basically. You know, it is expending no effort, no energy, the highest conversion ratio possible. So it's not just 10 to 1. That's only 10 to 1 at the highest conversion ratio possible. So if a bass has to chase down that food, it's still going to catch it. It's still going to eat it. But now it used energy. Now it's not going to be a 10 to 1. It's going to be more like 100 to 1. Right. So in a real world, now we're actually talking more like 50 to 100 to 1. So you stock 100 pounds of shiners. It costed you $900. And at the best possible ratio, you've just gained, what did I say, 100 pounds of shiners? Yeah. You've just gained 10 pounds across of flesh your across your lake. And you spent $900 doing it or $800 doing it. Yeah. 
It's a terrible waste of money. Yeah. But as long as they know that and they want to do it, it's fine. As long as you know it, as long as I tell you that, you still want to do it, that's fine. Yeah. But on the flip side, you build yourself a couple little forage ponds. Like a lot of times you can use existing silt ponds uh-huh. or strategic duck wetland ponds. You can. There's other uses for these things. You keep them shallow. You fill them with water. You stock just five pounds of forage or 10 pounds of forage. And you watch that turn into hundreds and hundreds of pounds of forage two to three times a year flushed into your lake. Now you've got something going on on a continual basis and you've only got the upfront costs of you know construction and the upfront stocking costs. A lot of times you can just keep that population rolling uh-huh. forever. Um, and now, you're, now you're, you're, you're putting something into the lake that it's not naturally producing. Now you're increasing your carrying capacity. So two things on the um, forage ponds that I want you to touch on because they were shocking to me when I found out. You're talking pounds, but let's talk number of fish because it's like mind-blowing. I think when the first one we did, we like ordered, what was it, like a bag of fish from somewhere? Just I, one little bag. We had them shipped in from Arkansas, Golden Shiner Fry. And it was, there was like hundreds of thousands? There How was 250,000 Golden Shiner Fry in one bag that was overnighted over. Yes, and I... I'm looking at it, and you can't see them in there. Like it just looks like a clear bag of water. I'm like, we Correct. just we've been had, but <laughs> we dump them in there, and it it was incredible. It only takes a couple months, and all of a sudden now you've got forage ready to go. And so you're talking about 250 thousand. If obviously some are gonna die, but if those start reproducing, like the numbers get crazy. Like how many fish you're dumping in there? When you have babies, babies having babies. I mean, you're talking about millions and millions and millions. I don't even know what's yeah. after millions and billions, you know, <laughs> right. what's after billions, uh, trillions. It's a you're talking about a lot of fish. Yeah. So um, in Shiner specifically, which is what we had luck with, but so let's say you open the gates in the fall and they all go in there. Those all get eaten, right? Like they're, they'll eventually slow down and die. The, the predators won't let that happen, but they get all get eaten, right? In, in most scenarios, in most scenarios, they're all going to get eaten. You may have some carryovers and you may get some reproduction out of it, but it's not enough to just sustain the lake yeah. or the population from then on. So you throw in 250,000 fry and they reproduce all those you know times. So now you're stuck with billions of fish and you open it. For the most part, that's all added biomass that gets eaten by your target fish right correct it's incredible we, and so, it's all different sizes that you know like the the ones that were just born in you know september and you're flushing in october they're going to be really little that's going to mm-hmm. feed your little fish so it's you're yeah. not a lot of people get hung up on feeding their big fish or their certain size fish but you have to have food for all different sizes of your predators because you need that next man up mm-hmm. always ready so you got to feed your little fish too so real quick, quick uh, success story. The, the uh, we have since sold this lake, so I haven't been there in a while. But um, how big were the um, was it tiger muskies we put in there that Chef Todd was catching like near state records? Yeah. So so it was four years. So how big were they when we put them in? So you put tiger muskies in at twelve inches long. Okay. Four years later, we're talking about forty six to forty nine inch fish. Yeah, and that's incredible. In several of them, not like we caught not just one. one fish. Yeah, and so. Four years, and we were doing the forage pond every every year. So we didn't take a break. So Well, I- and the beauty of that lake is actually built into the construction of that lake. The wetlands or the hatchery ponds were built into that lake yes. before it even filled with water. So before it even filled with water, we were already growing forage. True. And as the lake rise, it would just go into the next – you know, the next cell, which was great habitat underwater. And then every year, 
you'd flush the the forage ponds right in. Yeah. And your dad, your dad, Mike, I mean, he loved that stuff. He was a master engineer of a lot of that stuff. So oh, he definitely was, wanted to talk about and I was forage hoping, pods. And I was hoping that was going to be like a duck wetland, you know, plant some corn, and he vetoed that. But I'm glad he did because that lake was incredible. And probably – I don't know if it still is. Probably not as good because it's not managed as heavily. But man, I'm just a I'm a big believer in forage ponds. After seeing that, it was incredible. Awesome, and, and that that is that is a really really fun yet effective management tool for your property. And it doesn't just benefit fish; it benefits the waterfowl and it benefits frogs. You're going to load up with crawdads, tadpoles, and even sometimes even salamanders and, and stuff that you don't normally see. Because you don't have the predators that eat that stuff. So not only are you growing a crop of minnows, but you're unknowingly you're growing other forage that makes its way down to your main body of water. Yeah. And even we talked a little bit uh, a few episodes ago about um, some people view something as bad while other people view it as good depending on the situation. We had a ton of eagles out at, the, at that specific one we're talking about. And you know, at first my dad's all pissed because they're eating all his minnows. But my mom was like, those are awesome like that, that's great that what we did attracted that so it does they attract everything it's kind of a wildlife you know it benefits all all forms great asset for the property yeah. now we need you now we need to talk about other ways to supplementally feed perfect okay okay so uh you were saying it takes 10 to 100 pounds of natural food for a any fish, for the most part, bass to gain a pound, right? Yep. So ten to one. So let's at go the highest conversion ratio possible. So let's go straight to supplemental. And first, what is su- not supplemental? Well, yeah, um, supplemental fish which food. Is, it's like it looks like dog food if you've never seen it, right? Just little. It looks like a rabbit pellet. <laughs> yep. Well, there's and then you get big ones, right? Yep. So all different sizes. And what is it first before we go into the what they gain? So uh, fish food is a feed specifically designed to feed fish. You know, so in the last ten years, there's been a lot of improvements in fish feed ingredients. So we're actually involved in a lot of studies on uh, what type of vitamins, minerals, proteins, fat content, what needs to go into a fish feed to help a fish not only grow big but to live a long, healthy life. Because traditionally, fish feed was manufactured to grow a fish in the aquaculture industry to harvestable size. So to grow a largemouth bass or a hybrid striped bass to two pounds in 18 months, eating just this. And that actually, we could grow big fat fish, but they're only living three, four, and five years because the feed wasn't designed to be an, uh, an all-natural diet to, for sustained life. See, I didn't know that, but that's that makes sense. That happened in one of the, the VIP like we did it back in the day. It happens all over the place. Okay. We've, so been, what, we've been following that very closely. So back then, it was almost pure protein, right? Yeah. Uh, the, the, everybody was all about the protein, the protein, the protein. Get it into the fish. Grow them to three, two to three to four pounds as fast as you can. Have fun with it. You're growing really big fat fish, but then when you cut those fish open, you notice that their livers are really, really big or they're very discolored or the fat content inside that fish is far too high. Now they're obese. They're not healthy big. They're obese big and they just start disappearing. Huh. So what what sort of things were introduced? Like healthy fats? or uh, Less fats. Okay. Um, less proteins in some cases, and even the protein source. So a lot of fish food companies were using and still do utilize 
uh, poultry feathers as their source of protein. Well, that's not natural inside of a fish. It grows it really fast, but it's not good for a fish we want to live to 10 years. Okay. So now, flash forward to today, and we've got companies that are investing you know, lots and lots of time and resources into figuring out fish feeds for the sport fish market, not just the aquaculture market. Because it's pretty new, right? The last- It's 10 years. 10 years? 10 years for the sport fish So we're market. still learning. We're, we're still learning a lot, but that's unlocking the keys to growing big fish in, let's say, small bodies of water. Okay. Um, we, can take, we can take a one-acre pond where naturally you'd be able to produce about 10 to 15 large bass. Well, now if we do some of our um, you know, natural feeding in addition to supplemental feeding, now instead of just having 10 to 15 bass in that three to five pound range, now we can actually support 100 or 125 or even 150 really big bass in a relatively small body of water. So I want to touch on that in a minute. But so now like we kind of have an understanding of what this stuff is. And it's – you see them out there. Like they're – for the most part, they're the Texas feeders, the big brown things that shoot them out. Like you can program them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, we were talking about how many pounds it takes for a fish to gain in natural world. Let's switch over to the, this stuff, the supplemental food. How much of that do they have to eat to gain a pound? Okay, so we've got our feed conversion ratios. We can grow fish in tanks or in cages on our docks, and we can we can measure out exactly how much fish food it takes to grow, let's say, 100 fish all to one pound. Yep. Okay, so we can take 220 pounds of high-protein feed or a high-quality feed. I should, I'm, I'm programmed to say high-protein, but now it's high-quality feed. Right. We can take 220 pounds of that. And we can grow 100 pounds of fish. So we're talking about 2.2 to 1 conversion ratio. So if we go back to our, our conversion charts, 100 pounds of shiners costs, let's just say, $800. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you're going to gain 10 pounds of fish. Okay. Well, we take 100 pounds of fish feed, costs $80, and we've just grown 40 pounds of fish. So for $80, we grew 40 pounds of fish. Or for $800, we grew 10 pounds of fish. That's a big difference. It is. And it happens quicker. And it happens a lot quicker. Um, But what we found is the most effective is when we're not just taking one avenue to growing fish, where we're taking multiple avenues. So we want to establish the lake itself to have the right habitat, right vegetation, the right types of depths, the right types of water to naturally create a foundation. Then we add some natural forage on top of that and then we add in a little bit of supplemental forage now we've got the perfect storm where we can grow big fish of many different species all in the same body of water normally you hear you want to grow big bass or do you want to go big bluegill you know or big big predators or big panfish well now in this scenario we can grow big largemouth. We could even add in big smallmouth. We can throw in a few tiger muskies. We can bring in the yellow perch. We can have big bluegills. We can have a few crappies. Now we're, we have so much more at our disposal where we can do things that naturally would never happen on their own. Yep, got it. So our, when you're talking about the, the supplemental feeding, what sort of fish will eat that? Because I've, had, I've done it at all lakes. And it seems like if you don't stock the like the pellet trained fish, then not, not that you're wasting your money, but you have to know what's eating it. So like what well, eats that stuff? If your goal is to feed largemouth bass, mm-hmm. you absolutely have to stock feed trained largemouth bass. They have to learn it when they're little 
and, and they'll they'll keep it the rest of their lives unless there's just so much natural forage. Yeah. Then they would prefer to eat natural forage. Um, but um, bluegills and catfish, they don't have to be trained when they're little. They will train in the lake to eat it. And, you know, and we've just talked about these big elaborate, you know, feeding plans. But really what most people do is um, just a little bit of supplemental feeding. You know, it's not like we're feeding the whole lake, but yeah. it is just a lot of fun. It is fun. To it's have cool a few feed trained fish off of a special dock or a special area and you can interact with your fish. You can throw the handful of feed out and you can watch the bass or the bluegill come and eat or the catfish come and eat. And now you're interacting with them and you don't even have to catch them. Right. And you know what else is cool to watch is striper on those machines. They are a lot of fun. Because they, they are fast. They tear it up. <laughs> they and do. So, and I wanted to touch on you know supplemental feeding. There are times when you have an existing lake and let's say we really need to increase the health of the bluegill which is the backbone to the forage. Yeah. There's times where we'll establish a two-year feeding program designed specifically for native bluegills um, just to get them the nutrients they need so that they put off the forage they need to feed the bass. So there's all different ways to utilize feed programs. It's not just, hey, I put food, I put catfish food in my feeder or I you know, throw it out and I throw it off my dock and you know, my fish aren't big. What's going on? You know, yes. It's... It's it's a tool. It's it's a tool that we can use. Doesn't mean you have to become dependent upon it, but it's something you can use at key times to really give the fish nutrition they need. Yeah. So just just because the bass aren't eating that food doesn't mean it's not helping their health long term because the forage fish are eating it too. Correct. So now they have bigger forage fish to eat. The healthier your forage is, so the more vitamins and minerals and nutri nutrients that are in the forage. The, the better that is, that translates directly into the bass. I got one story to tell. I've got a good friend and client down in Lincoln, Nebraska, and he has the biggest largemouth bass that you're going to find in a 13-acre body of water. He's got 11 to 13-pound largemouth bass. And what he started doing is taking bluegills, cutting off their tails, and throwing them into the water right off of his dock. So he's not, he doesn't have this big elaborate hatchery ponds or fish feeding stations or any of that stuff. He's utilizing the forage in his own lake. He'll catch a few hundred bluegills. He'll keep them in his cage. He'll go out every morning, cut off a few tails, throw them in the water, and the bass now aren't are able to just eat them. Yeah. Okay? Then he took it a next step further. He started taking fish oil tablet supplements like what a human would take to get mm -hmm. omega-3s and you know salmon oil and stuff he started putting that inside the bluegills mouths cutting off their tails feeding it to the bass now he started watching those bass put on extra weight and their coloration started to change so really? just by getting that extra fish oil tablet supplement into those bat the bass weren't eating that but the bluegills were, you know, They're it in was there. inside the bluegill yeah. is getting inside the bass. And now we're watching this transformation. So the fish that what a fish eats directly impacts how healthy that fish is. If we're humans and all we're eating is candy bars and pizzas and all that stuff, we're not going to be nearly as healthy as we would. We may be fat and big, but we're not going to be healthy for a long sustained life. Yeah. Same reason the grass fed beef is better for you than the hormone pump stuff. Because you're eating what they're eating. Correct. Got it. And same with fish. People don't relate any. People don't relate their real world experiences to fish. And once you can start doing that, 
you can understand about genetics, population densities, relative weights, and nutrition. Cool. So one other question about the, um, always been curious about this. On the supplemental feeding, are you ever at risk that they get so used to that that they're harder to catch? You are definitely at risk, but it's not the same risk as what you would think. A fish learns its environment. So a lot of times when people are feeding, when the fish diet is based solely on fish food, um, they will still eat your lure, but you'll catch that fish once, you'll catch that fish twice, but then the third time you're standing on the dock, you're looking at the fish, the fish is looking at you, you're throwing your twirly do or whatever lure you've got, yeah. and you're expecting it to eat it, and you're saying, why stupid fish are you eating that fish food pellet, but you're not eating what I want you to eat? And the fish has already been through the ringer. You know, it, it's not stupid. And so there's there's a learning curve that they're fish educated have. a little quicker. Correct. So do you take that fish out at that point when you catch a pellet trained bass or whatever it is? That that's up to you and your goal. Yeah. You know, me, I always if I want people to have high catch rates, I want to have young, dumb fish. If I want to only just grow big fish, I want to very limit the amount of fishing, you know, exposure those fish have. Cool. Um, I like it. I think that it's a cool topic because it it's like long-term, any goal, it's all about what they eat. So whether you're doing it naturally, whether you're supplementing or kind of a mix of both, uh, very important in sustaining or improving any, any lake. It takes a lot of food to feed fish. Yeah. And there's a lot more food out there than people realize, but it takes a lot of food to grow a big fish. Cool. Let's say uh, somebody wants to do this, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, check because us out do, online. Because you do both. I mean, whether it's forage, whether it's the pellets, whatever it is, right? You guys do all of it. We, what, what we do, a lot of lake management companies, they have, their, they have their way of doing things, and that's how they do it. What we do is we get to know the person, we go over all the options, all the opportunities, all the pros and cons of each, and we let the person decide which path they want to take. Got if it. you want to learn more from us or get in touch with us, just check us out online. You can Google Herman Brothers Pond Management. There'll be a lot of content that pops up and get our contact information right from our website. Cool. Okay. Well, that'll uh, wrap it up for this one on uh, feeding in general. Um, thanks for listening, and we'll be back at you guys uh, with another one shortly.